0: Before tonight's Angle of Pursuit podcast, a word from our sponsor. I cannot
1: believe Jerry Jones didn't re-sign DeMarco Murray. What an idiot. Like you could do better.
0: I guarantee I could. They should change the name from Jerry's Cowboys to Dennis's Cowboys. Well, here's the chance to prove it. Head over to myfootballnow.com. It's the number one rated online professional football management simulator. You become the owner, general manager of a pro football team. You get to hire the coaches, draft the players. Sign free agents, manage the salary cap, all while putting together your own game plan. You'll play against players from around the world, and all the, and the best part is, it's totally free. Build your dynasty now at MyFootballNow.com. First thing I'm gonna do is
1: get DeMarco
0: back in the Longhorn State. What's up guys? This is part one of the NFC North podcast. Uh, we had to break it up again because we did two over two hours of, of fantasy goodness for you guys. Uh, part one is the Chicago Bears, Ron's, Ron's beloved Chicago Bears and, uh, his favorite quarterback, Jake Cutler and also the Detroit Lions. Welcome so to another episode part of the one Engle of Pursuit podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. Uh, back at it again this week. Uh, we got a, get caught up on some of these divisions, so we're going to cover the NFC North, and uh, with me tonight, Dennis Dunbar at Lions Den NFL. How are you doing tonight, Dennis? How am I doing, or what am
1: I doing? Because if I told you what I was doing, you'd probably make fun of me, because I've been spending a lot of time doing it today.
0: I hope you're doing better than JPP, who uh, I think is missing a couple fingers at this point. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I was uh, I've seen on Twitter that uh the New York Giants didn't even know about it until Adam Schefter uh reported it. I just wonder how they got his medical records. Seemed like that's like a violation of HIPAA or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh definitely pretty dang illegal. So, uh I'm curious to see how that plays out. But yeah, I guess he'd been avoiding the avoiding the Giants like the plague, so something I mean, that if you listen to our NFC podcast, uh we might be doing on some of the players.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to point any fingers at JPP, but he definitely started this season off with a bang. <laughs>
0: oh. All right,
1: I got I got the corny jokes out of my system. Yeah,
0: if you point a finger at him, he might throw one back at you. <laughs> and with us again, Ron McLeese at Mad Dog. What up, Mad Dog? Uh, it's always great to come on with you guys.
2: And, uh I'm excited to talk about my favorite division tonight, the NFC North. So.
0: The Bears.
2: So Bears.
0: The Bears. Somewhere so uh, Chris Farley
2: is listening to us, but. I live anyway. in
0: a van down by the river. <laughs> and let's start with those Bears, Ron, and and let's talk about Jay Cutler because you know a lot of people have very um, interesting viewpoints on Cutler. A lot of negativity. A lot of frustration around Cutler Um I'll get to my my ideas about him in a second but I'll, I'll let you start kind of where are you at with Cutler and and what do you think about him for this year
2: well honestly after watching watching him play last year if you would call it that I'm just not too excited about this year I mean the change in head coach position is going to be a big one I just don't know if this is going to help him or hurt him but he's that type of quarterback that you know, you know, you know, you're going to get a lot of attempts, a lot of interceptions in, you know, games where he will put up 300 or more yards passing in multiple touchdowns. So, I mean, as much as I hate him, I got to say that he's probably a pretty decent target later on in the draft. Um, as far as, you know, maybe a second quarterback or a backup, but if you're depending on Jay Cutler as your starting quarterback, may God be with you.
0: And Dennis, is God with you?
2: God is with me, but
1: what are you talking about, Ron? I mean, the band is back together. The quartet is back together. Come on. It's John Fox, Adam Gase, Eddie Royal, and Jay Cutler. I mean, it's it's like a second coming. No. Uh, (laughs) In all reality, the the funny thing about Jay Cutler's season is he had his second best year as a pro in his passer rating, but yet he also led the league with 24 turnovers. So, you know, what's – he takes one step forward in one area and a, and a step backwards in another. So, you know, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not expecting a whole lot from Cutler. I do think he's enough to keep the other skill positions afloat. I mean, you know, he's made he supported two thousand yard receivers just a year ago, and I, I like it. You know, what puzzled me and and I was I thought Mark Trestman was doomed from the start because. They had ten wins when they fired Lovey Smith. So Tressman come in already to a team that just had ten wins. So when he went eight and eight his first year, I mean, that was already a letdown. So to me, it was just like doom from the start. So, you know, I think John Fox is in a better place than Tressman was starting out because he's coming into a team that was five and ten, and there's just not as much expectations. But you know, we'll we'll see. I, I do like their guards. They have a really good. Good set of guards on the offensive line. We'll see if Bushrod can get it back together. He had one good year um, with the Bears, and then last year he seemed to struggle a bit. But, you know, if they can protect him, get him some time to throw, I I think he can be okay. I do really believe in Adam Gase, and I like Gase. And, you know, he he always got the ball out of Peyton Manning's hands pretty quickly. So if he does that with Cutler, I think it'll help. So we'll see. You know, I mean, he's a guy. I, I don't think he's going to be drafted in too many leagues. So he's a guy I could end up picking up later in the season if my quarterback doesn't work out. Because, like I, you know, said before, I I tend to wait on quarterbacks. So that's about where I'm at with uh, old Cuddy.
0: Yeah, well, Cuddy is my buddy. I love Jay Cutler. I'm not afraid to admit it. I he had his second most passing yards, like you were saying. Like he was actually pretty good. Yeah, he turned it over, but. Um, you, know, you know, 18 turnovers is still not the most he's ever had. And I expect Fox and Gase to kind of help him better manage his risks and, and help him avoid, you know, doing stupid stuff, I I hope. So um, I actually like Cutler quite a bit, and, you know, ADP has him coming off the board as basically, you know, undrafted. Well, you 100 player 151, you know, quarterback 222. You know, we're, we've been talking you know, on a couple of these podcasts about you know two quarterback leagues or you know situations where maybe you take Bradford or uh, Carson Palmer. I mean, if I can get Carson Palmer and Jay Cutler as my starters, I'll be I'll be pretty dang happy. And I know I can get both of them basically at the end of my draft. So, you know, I, I'm I'm a little more bullish on Cutler, and I think uh, I think good times are to come. And I think you know he may only throw for 3,500 yards, but if he's in 30 touchdowns and cuts his interceptions in you know half or a little bit less than that. Um, you know he could have a really nice season and, and and rebound and you know impress a lot and help a lot of fantasy owners. Um, so let's talk I mean, about. I mean, he was a
1: starter in 12 team leagues. He finishes QB 12. So going at really? QB 20. 20- or whatever you said, doesn't make a lot of sense. I I think that's an overcorrection, especially with the upgraded offensive coordinator. And, you know, he did take a downgrade at receiver with Brandon Marshall, but he did get the rookie and Kevin White and uh, Eddie Royal. So we'll see. I'm not going to have that stark of reaction. But it it was actually, it was 18 interceptions, like you said, but what was really an inflated number, and I don't really see that happening, was the six fumbles. Like, it seemed like he fumbled, like, Every other game or something like that. So you know, I don't. I think that's kind of a fluky number, and and that really did hurt his uh, week to week fantasy value. Yeah,
0: and he had a horrible turnover game. Go ahead, Ron.
2: He he also threw for you know seven of his starts he threw for multiple interceptions. So you know that's not even including all these fumbles you guys are talking about. So yeah, I just just, turnover prone. You know, and, and that that's what kills you the most. And if you're in leagues where they count a negative say negative five for a turnover plus the negative, you know, one or two for the interception. I mean, that that puts you in such a hole that, and I play in leagues like that. So that that's the kind of league you want to definitely avoid them in.
0: Yeah, I have one league where if you throw a pick six, it's minus six points. So in that league, I'll probably avoid them. But if, um, and you know, we're doing the fishbowl draft, I think Jay Cutler is a great because the turnovers don't cost you. So you basically, you know, you get all the fun of Jay Cutler without all the risk. I mean, I would much rather have him over Alex Smith, Teddy Bridgewater. Well, Bridgewater's close, and we'll get to him. But Winston, Joe Flacco, Mariota, like, he's going three, four, five, six spots too low for me. And um, and let's get to what you were talking about, Dennis, because, yeah, Brandon Marshall's gone. Um, you know, he, he got traded to the Jets for, you know, a bag of beans and a, a knuckle sandwich, so... Um, <laughs> Be interesting, but they yeah they they and they added Kevin White. They they found Eddie Royal off the scrap heap, and you know I think um, you know the the receiver group as a whole. So let, I mean let's let's start with let's start with how Brandon Marshall may or may not affect Jay Cutler because you know they had quite a rapport, and, and Jay Cutler you know he loves having Brandon Marshall around, so I'm curious to see kind of, you know, are we expecting, you know, with the other players stepping in or the other receivers, Dennis, that you mentioned, you know, do you think it's going to be a huge drop-off or, you know, between the three, four, five players that are stepping in, they'll they'll be able to make up enough of that role for, for fantasy owners to not really notice the difference?
1: If you're asking me if I think there's a 1,500-yard receiver on that team outside of Jeffrey, the answer is no. I mean, Marshall, outside of last year, he was putting up, you know, what, 1,500 yards? Yards per year for the last couple of years with Cutler, so that's an obvious void. Um, as much as I like Eddie Royal this year as as a sleeper, and I think he's a great value, and I think he's going to be a wide receiver three with you know some wide receiver two upside this year. He's just not Brandon Marshall. I mean that that was a significant loss, and Kevin White's a great prospect, but he's still got to have some time to develop. I mean he's you know he's running with the twos right now in camp, which. Could be part of the old Foxy making the rookie earn his his keep and stuff. But, you know, there's definitely going to be a void there. And I just don't see Martellus Bennett and Jeffrey being able to, you know, compensate for that hole left by Brandon Marshall. With that being said, I I do like Alshon Jeffrey as a number one receiver. I mean, he's pretty much put up number one receiver uh, stats over the last two years. Last two years, he's had 174 receptions with 2,500 yards and 17 touchdowns. That's a pretty good two-year stretch. I mean, that's up there in the top ten, I would guess. I don't know that exact number, but, I mean, he finished last year as – wide receiver 12 and we'll see we'll see if he's affected but he's going to be drawing the team's number one corner now he won't i don't know if they're going to move him over to flanker where marshall played or if he's going to still be that split in i imagine they will probably move him up to the line of scrimmage so you know he'll get them more high percentage high success uh targets so we'll see man um i i think you know jeffrey's a safer pick at wide receiver because i i know the targets are going to be there and and like i said cutler's definitely uh a competent quarterback for fantasy purposes, so you know that that's where I'm at with with Jeffrey. Um, as far as after Jeffrey, Kevin White, I I think he's going to be a guy that comes well, up a little bit later in the year. Let's what let's, you asked me about the passing game. Now you want well, to go one let's,
0: by one. Let's, keep let's, let's <laughs> keep let's keep the Jeffrey talk going because I want to get I want to get Ron's input on it and then we'll come well, back I, to. White. I just
2: want to say one thing about your question. I think if you if you look at what Brandon Marshall did last year and just forget let's forget about what he did the years before that i mean he only had 105 targets last year and he caught 61 balls for 721 yards yeah it was his worst season you know since 2006 but i think that you know that kind of says a lot that the bears really didn't utilize him the way they should have last year and he really wasn't you know involved as much as he should have been so you know i think you can make the argument honestly that these guys coming in and you know call me crazy but Eddie Royal You know, I think he's going to serve a great purpose for them, and they're going to get the ball to him a lot. I could see him getting in the neighborhood of 100 targets alone. And I think another guy that people are forgetting about because of Kevin White is Wilson. You know, um, Wilson's still a very talented wide receiver, and I know he's he's going to be one of those sleeper guys that a lot of people forget about in in the drafting Kevin White and all that stuff. But this guy's still talented, and, and if he can stay on the field, I think he's going to actually be involved a lot more than people think he is.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's kind of interesting too to your to your Marshall point that you know the targets went down, his production went down, yet Cutler's numbers went up his his yard you know his yards um, went up. So you know if if we're you know say we assume that seventy catches is kind of what they need to replace for a down year Marshall, I mean uh, uh, Eddie Royal and Kevin White and all those guys can can easily do that. But let's talk. I want to talk about uh I want to talk about Jeffrey and, and kind of by you know as an elite receiver and, and kind of see where you guys stack him up. Cause Dennis, you were mentioning he's like in that top 10 discussion for you. And I want to, I want to kind of um, ask you guys kind of who would you rather have? Um, and and we'll start, you know, with a guy who we're going to get to in a second, but would you rather have Jordy Nelson or Alshon Jeffrey? Ron, I'll let you go first.
2: Oh man, that's a tough question. Can I have them both? <laughs> uh No. Well, I would say for the touchdown upside and just the consistent, the more safer player would be Jordy Nelson in that offense. If, if I knew the quarterback play was going to improve this year, I would pick Jeffrey. Um, if it was a dynasty, I'd pick Jeffrey all day, all night, but I, I would say in just a standard, if we're talking redraft league, um, I, I would have probably have to go with, go with the Packer, the Green Bay
0: Packer. And what about you, Dennis? Would you rather have Jordy Nelson or Alshon Jeffrey?
1: Uh, dude, it's a no-brainer, nowhere near even close. It's, it's Jordy Nelson by yeah. a, a mile. I mean, Nelson, dude, he's consistently underrated. I mean, the guy had 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns last year on 151 targets. Not to mention he has Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the game. Sorry, Andrew Luck. I still think Rodgers is the best quarterback in the game. He oh, yeah. Might be one day, but you know it's still Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, absolutely, Jordy's one of those guys who consistently finish in the top five, top three, but yet he's always drafted way outside
0: of it. Or you know, but he doesn't jump like Julio, or he doesn't have you know like Calvin Johnson like you know impressive plays. He's just super talented. But we'll we'll get to him in a second because we are going to talk a lot of a lot of Packers. But um, and I wanted, I wanted to see what you guys think. Okay. You know, we talked about Jordy Nelson. What about Nelson's teammate Randall Cobb? Would you rather have Alshon Jeffrey or Randall Cobb?
1: I would say I would say Jeffrey in this case because you're talking about the, the team's number one wide receiver versus a team's number two. Because Jordy's still the man. Jordy's still, you know, going to eat first. To quote Evan Silva, so um, yeah, to me, it, it, it's not it's not real far off. But you know, I would probably take Jeffrey over Cobb.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at where these guys are, you know, relative to their ADP, and I was just, I wanted to. And then the last guy we'll go over is is AJ Green. I mean, would you rather have AJ Green or Alshon Jeffrey?
1: For me, it's AJ Green. I think last year was an outlier, even though the Bengals are more run heavy team with under Hugh Jackson. I, I just think AJ Green never got healthy last year. He still eclipsed a thousand yards even though, you know, he wasn't at a hundred percent. And I think uh AJ Green's a, a steal this year. I don't know his current ADP, but I know it's
0: he's overall he's player player twenty two, he's wide receiver number eight.
1: Yeah, I mean in second round AJ Green, I'll take it all day. Even even in the third round he's fallen some leagues and yeah. I think that's a tremendous value. That's all the more reason I'm going running back in the first round this year because these second, third-round receivers, man, are, ju- are just no-brainer. Give me, thank you, sir, may I
0: have another? So let's talk about Kevin White, who they brought in in the draft. And, you know, you know, Dennis, we both really liked him through the draft process, and I think he was, you know, top two, top three for most of us, uh, for us most of the off season. So, you know, what are reasonable ex- expectations for Kevin White and, He's gonna kind of assume that wide receiver number two number two role we is, we, we believe. Um, so what you know what talk to me about Kevin White is is he a wide receiver two for you or is he gonna be more of a wide receiver three that has a couple weeks that he goes off.
1: I would I would like to draft him as my as my third or fourth receiver. I couldn't take him as my number two, and I'm not really comfortable with his ADP. I've seen it in the sixth, seventh round in some leagues, and, and I'm just not comfortable taking him there. Um, even though I think they're kind of playing a coy with him, like he's had, you know, you hear Devontae Parker is turning heads at camp, where you hear Kevin White's kind of struggling a little bit. So, you know, I th- I think that's going to impact people's feelings on him. I, th- I think he's kind of the hype's kind of dying down on him a little bit. Like, before the draft, it was like, who's your number one, Cooper or White? A lot of people had White over Cooper. Well, now that it's draft season, we got landing spots, he's kind of quiet at camp, and they're ranting and raving about Cooper in Oakland. You know, yeah. it's like Kevin White's an afterthought. You know, if his ADP continues to fall. You know, I definitely take him. But for me in redraft leagues, I think he's going to be a guy that's drafted early, and he's not going to do a whole lot in the first three to four weeks of the season. And then someone's going to cut him; they get impatient. And then I'm going to swoop in, like like the shark, and and I'm going to take him, and I'm going to set him on my roster, and I'm going to wait for that um, Jordan Matthews type second half of the season.
0: Yeah, uh, I I could definitely see that. Um, Ron, talk to me about Kevin White from a dynasty perspective. I know um, you, you know you host the Dynasty podcast, but let's bring over some of that, some of those talks too. And you know, if, if you're looking at the receivers in terms of dynasty, is Cooper still no? Is Cooper number one for you, or are you more interested in Kevin White?
2: Uh, I would say, you know, the safer safer play safer player is going to be Cooper in the long run because of the situation he's. Going in there from day one, be the number one target, number one receiver on that team, number one option, you know, through the air. So, I mean, I think based off volume and targets and all that aside, I think he's going to have he's going to have the chance to show up from day one. Whereas Kevin White's going to have to earn those stamps. You know, he's going to he's on a team where he's got a head coach that likes to baby his rookies. So that's another thing that we should all be concerned about. I think with Kevin White from the dynasty perspective, all that stuff doesn't matter. Um, you got to look long term, and Kevin White's definitely right up there. I think it's more like a one A one B. I think they're that close, where it's you know you're splitting hairs between those two guys, and it just comes down to you know, preference as far as which player uh, you think is going to end up with the, the longer career and, and the, the higher upside. You know, I think the higher upside. I think Kevin White does possess the higher upside, so I'd still take him over Cooper and Dynasty.
0: You know, I'm I'm wondering about John Fox because I feel like. I feel like he's a lot of bark now that it's the preseason or, like, you know, mini camps and stuff, and they're trying to put a rookie in his place. But, you know, are you guys worried that that trend's going to continue into the season? Or is it just, you you know, Dennis, do you think it's something that is just like a a training camp, mini camp type thing where he wants to make sure the rookie understands he has to earn his playing time? And then, but once the season starts, he's going to be so... Especially if they can't keep him off the off the um can't keep him off the field. I think it
1: could be a little of both. Um you know, I think Fox is a, a technical coach, so you know, he wants to make sure these guys understand all the little nuances of the game before he puts them in a position with that being said we have seen examples where you know rookies do come in and start right away under Fox and, and it's mainly on the defensive side I'd give you but you know like Von Miller w- was the day one starter for him as a rookie so there is examples but even dating back to his days in Carolina he's always been a little hesitant with like rookie skill position players but you know, I, I mean, Marquise Lee, or Marquise Wilson, I should say, He he's a good football player. But, you know, I, I just don't think he's in the same, you know, breadth of talent as, as Kevin White. So I think eventually Kevin White's going to surpass him. And I know a lot of people want to look at Cody Latimer last year, but you've got to figure. I mean, he had Wes Welker, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders in front of him. So it's not like they needed him. Like, they had the guys in place. They had some good playmakers. I mean, so they really didn't need him. So, you know, to me it's a little different I also different heard he was situation. lost that first year. Right, and, and there's similar there's similar reports coming out about Kevin White, which doesn't scare me away from him in Dynasty, but it it does in redraft. I mean, it it is a real thing. John Fox is you know slow to put in his rookie, so we're just gonna have to see, man. And like I said, if somebody gets impatient and cut him, uh, Kevin White's the the type of talent that could really make a difference on, on the back end of your roster late in the year. So
0: yeah, it sounds like he's gonna be in that class of a. Uh... You know, like Todd Gurley, or um, and I know you're a little more bullish on him, but those kind of players that you'd rather let somebody else draft, and then you get to reap the rewards when they get frustrated with them um, later in the season. So, so you know, is so Dennis, we were talking about um, we were talking about Eddie Royal, and you know, you think he could, you know, wide receiver three with wide receiver, you know, two potential some weeks. Um, you know, so we think there's maybe, maybe that's something that comes early uh, before Kevin White gets his feet wet or, you know, are you, you know, kind of drafting Eddie Royal as your fourth, fifth, sixth receiver somewhere in there and hoping you can play him at certain times during the season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I love Eddie Royal this year and actually, um, let me look up something real quick. If uh, Ron, you want to answer this while I look at something real fast? Yeah, just
0: Ron, just talk to me about Eddie Royal and kind of your thoughts for him for this season.
2: Well, I mean, again, these are early reports, so I mean, I guess we're taking these with a grain of salt. We should be, but I mean, they sound like they got big plans for Eddie Royal this year, and they're gonna—he's gonna be highly involved in this offense in a lot of different ways. And I mean, we've already talked about the targets that you know they're replacing from losing Marshall, and I think the large majority of those targets are gonna go Royal's, Royals way, and then the rest of them are gonna be spread across Wilson and and White, you know, depending on who's progressing uh, quicker in that o- new offense with uh, Gase. So, I, at the end of the day, I mean, Royal, to me, you know, Dennis said it, I mean, he's the ultimate sleeper, I think, this year at wide receiver, and a guy that I would probably draft as my fifth or sixth wide receiver, But and, and maybe not count on him early, but, I mean, he's the type of player, I mean, he, he's done it so many times in the past, people with uh, Phil Rivers, I mean, he's streaky, you know, he'll score two or three touchdowns, so he's also a really good best ball target, in, in that in that case, um, yeah, player. I think that's
0: a I think that's a great uh, call there because I think you can get him in best ball leagues, knowing that there's going to be a couple weeks where he does something and you know maybe predicting those are going to be hard to do, but um, you know knowing okay. knowing go for it, Dennis.
1: Sorry, I f- I found what I'm looking for. Okay, I just wanted to make sure it was rookie here, and I thought it was. And, and this this dovetails perfectly what we've talked about with John Fox and rookies as a rookie under John Fox, Eddie Royal had his best career as a pro. He had 91 receptions on 129 targets, 980 yards, and five touchdowns. And he threw in another 11 rushing attempts. But Eddie Royal, he he's a good football player. He's not much different from a skill set than an Emmanuel Sanders. Granted, Jay Cutler's not Peyton Manning, but I don't think it's, like, way too far off as in terms of getting the ball to a guy. So, you know, I I could see a similar splash or a similar unexpected finish like Eddie Royal or like Emmanuel Sanders had with Eddie Royal, not to that extent, not a 1,300 yard, 11 touchdowns, but I definitely think he could be a thousand yard receiver and you know maybe throw in five or six scores. Eddie Royal was actually a pretty good red zone threat and. Uh, San Diego, like Ron mentioned. But, you know, with the reuniting of Adam Gase and things like that, Adam Gase likes to have that smaller guy. He can move in the slot, move on the outside, and he's been pretty successful with it. Dating back to Royal, then we've had, you know, we've we've seen Eric Decker, even though Decker was a, you know, a big split in, we've seen him have success in the number two role um, under Adam Gase and Wes Welker. So, you know, I, I think... The stars are aligning for Royal man, and where you can get him, you can get him for a song right now, and it's definitely worth it. Um,
0: yeah, I mean he's going as player two seventeen, receiver sixty five. And I want to ask you guys. I want to play a quick little name game with you guys on Eddie Royal. And um, there, let's talk. Let's compare Eddie Royal to his former teammate Malcolm Floyd. Uh, you know, Floyd's a guy who can always produce, but never stays healthy. So, would you guys rather have Eddie Royal or, or Malcolm Floyd? And Dennis, go, go ahead and go first.
1: Malcolm Floyd is a guy I actually like, believe it or not, because he's... I don't believe it. Continually overrated. And I, I don't like him. Like, oh my god, he's great. I don't like like him like I like Joseph Randall, for example, but... <laughs> uh, Drew Brees. I'm not even a huge Drew Brees fan, believe it or not. I'm a weight-on-quarterback guy, so don't don't peg me with that just over one podcast. T. Rich. T. Rich.
2: Hey,
0: I,
1: hey T. Rich was one of the greatest <laughs> running backs ever, so yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, we can talk about love affairs, Ron, because you, you have yours too. But, um. Yes, I do. You guys got me on sidetrack now. What was I even talking about?
0: Your love for Drew Brees. Oh, no,
1: no, Malcolm <laughs> Floyd. Now, Malcolm Floyd is, is a guy, you know, who's. Going to give you, you know, five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown every other week. He's, You know, he's a steady, bi-week filler guy. Now, where Eddie Royal comes in, Eddie Royal is upside. He's one of the guys that can have a 100 yards and two touchdowns in a week. So, you know, as far as, like, a steady Eddie, it won't be Eddie. It'll be Malcolm. But as far as, like, an upside play, it'll be uh, Eddie. Too many Eddies there. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I'm
0: so confused.
1: It doesn't take much to confuse you, Kyle.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm not very smart. What can I say?
1: You're built built backwards where your uh, nose runs and your feet smell.
0: (laughs) 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 Ah, how about them reds? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just for all our listeners, every time I say something stupid, that's going to be the line. How about them reds? So uh, get ready for it.
0: Okay, let's move on. Go ahead, Ron. If
2: you want to ask my opinion on it, I think uh, I would. I pick never royal. want to ask
0: your opinion. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. I like royal. Like I like, I like Royale with cheese, yo. Give let's try any and get royal.
0: Let's try and get this podcast back on the rails because it's clearly like derailed and exploded in a field somewhere. So I'm just uh,
1: I'm just loving witnessing Ron go through puberty on the podcast, man, with his voice cracking like that's like a a caterpillar. Or Butterfly coming out of its cocoon. I don't even know what's in the cocoon, but it's one of them two, three, four things. How about them reds?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Super how about them reds. All right, let's focus, guys. Uh, Martellus Bennett, talk to me about him, Ron. Um, he's a guy that always I, I like to I like to own early and and it kind of fades away. So you know, being in Chicago, you know, what, what are your thoughts on Bennett and the, his role in this offense?
2: Well, I know he hates fantasy sports and and that's like the only thing I don't like about him. But everything else, I mean, what's there not to not like about this guy? I mean, he's a monster target for him over the middle, six foot six. Um, You know, right now, I guess it's it's just a matter of whether or not this guy's going to, you know, he was angry about his contract with all that stuff going on. So it's been kind of a distraction, honestly. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm not worried about that. This guy's produces every year, and he's going to be a major part of, the, of their offense. Um, I'd like to see more touchdowns. Hopefully this year he'll be more of a red zone target, but, you know, you can't argue with 90 catches in, in 900 and some yards that he had last year. So, if he can get get anywhere close to those numbers, you're looking at a, you know, a top five tight end, so.
0: Yeah, but, but to my point, he had, you know, he had six touchdowns last year, and four of them came in the first three weeks, so, you know, I love Bennett as a player, and he's, you know, he's funny, and he talks, but even though he talks crap about fantasy, but, you know, like, after that first three weeks, like, he was fine, like, there was a, like, he had a big yardage week, but, you know, he only found the end zone two more times the rest of the season, and, that's kinda of frustrating to own, but I guess when you get into the tier where where Bennett's coming off the board, I mean a lot of the guys are, are kinda like that, so you gotta pick and choose and uh hope you get lucky. Dennis, where are you at with Martellus Bennett?
1: Uh I like Bennett and I'll work, I'll say it like this. You know, with with the price it's gonna cost to get Gronkowski, a lot of people's not gonna spend that on tight end, so You know, he's won. Antonio Gates, you know, pumping roids or whatever he's doing, he's out of the mix for at least four weeks. So that kind of knocks him down in my rankings, and it, you know, makes Bennett a little more valuable. So, you know, I got Bennett right behind Gronk, Graham, Olsen, Kelsey. Not, I mean, the first four are not in that exact order. I'd flip-flop Kelsey and Olsen probably, but, you know, Bennett – Bennett's probably around tight end five. I do like Dwayne Allen, too, though. If I had to choose between Bennett and Dwayne Allen, I would probably go with Dwayne Allen because, you know, of Andrew Luck and, and the upgrade there at quarterback.
0: Yeah, PPR, really, too? Yeah.
1: Really? Mm, touchdowns are worth more than points per reception, so I think so.
0: I just think the consistency will be there um, past, you know, the first few weeks of the season. Because if you go back and look at Bennett, he's always been a guy that Produces early and then kind of fades as the, as the season goes along, and I think that's why he hates fantasy because everybody gets frustrated with him. But uh, let's 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 shift to the running game in in uh, Chicago and talk about Forte because you know the the writing might be kind of on the wall that this could be Forte's last stand, and um, you know with John Fox coming in, they they have a couple of young backs behind him, and you know Forte's approaching thirty. So Dennis, I'll let you start. Um, you know, where is Forte at, kind of, uh, among running backs for this year? And then kind of talk to me about where you think, uh, the Bears might end up moving or, uh, if you think Forte, you know, could be the, could, could end up just staying there and being their running back for a long time.
1: I, I probably think this is Forte's last year, but, you know, actually, I started thinking about Forte a lot more after our last podcast where you had asked the question, you know, is it DeMarco Murray or Forte? And, you know, I, I really didn't have an answer at the time. Like, it was, cause it was pretty close, but the more I've got to sit around and, and think about that, I, I've, you know, become less fond of Forte, uh, versus Murray. And, and the thing, the one stat that really bugs me with Forte is, you know, he only had one run of 20 yards or more, okay? But Jay Cutler had three runs of 20 yards or more on only 39 attempts. So Jay Cutler had a fraction of the attempts, but yet two more 20-yard runs. So, you know, I don't know if that means Forte's lost the step and he ain't busting out them long runs. And like Ron said the other day, there, there's no way I, I don't think he's going to, you know, get 102 receptions like he did the year before. You know, I, I just don't. Adam Gase and, and John Fox don't usually use the running backs quite that frequently out of the backfield. So if he takes a dip in his receptions, which is what made him so valuable, then, you know, I obviously got to move him down. With that being said, I still think he's like a borderline top ten running back. He, he's a safer guy. He's a starter. We know his role. So, you know, he's not a sexy name. He's not like a high upside. But I, I do think he's a guy that's going to finish around where you take him. So, you know, he's kind of a safe pick to me.
0: And what about you, Ron? I know you mentioned that you'd rather have Demarco Murray than Matt Forte, but uh, you know, is it it's probably is it close for you, or is it you know he's kind of in that next tier?
2: I mean, I think it's close. It's just a matter of you know what type of league it is. Because I mean, Forte's going to turn thirty this year, I think in December, and he you know he's not getting any younger. And then what the handwriting is on the wall, you know, with these two, you know, drafting another young running back in Langford. I mean. Th- I think it only says one thing, in that you know they're not going to they're not going to lock him up, and, and if they're having a bad year, that he might be on the next plane out of here, or the next train out of here, because he could get dealt somewhere if if the Bears are free falling, you know, into nowhere. So, you know, hey I, Dallas, I think are you he's,
0: listening? You could probably have Matt Forte for a song and a dance. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: they got. But, her, I, mean,
0: I think yeah. that's Kyle. They do, yeah. well, yeah, oh yeah, Joseph Randall, your man crush, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll make a little list for you, Dun, Dennis. So, Ron, if we, you know, if we're in dynasty leagues and we're trying, you know, is do you have a preference in terms of Jeremy Langford or Kadim Carey? If we're, you know, most of us kind of assume that the writing is on the wall and that uh, Forte could find his way out of town next year.
2: I mean, I'm definitely going the Langford way, and. And out of those two guys, he just, to, to me, he has more upside, more intangibles, and I think he's the better running back, and I think he had the better college career, um, if, if that speaks enough volumes. But, um, Carry's kind of a tricky player. I don't, I think they're still trying to find out what they have in him. Um, but, you know, again, I think a lot will be, we'll know a lot more, you know, especially if he gets cut so soon. Um, you know he's got to he's got to have a strong preseason to make the roster. I think so. He's on the bubble. Whereas Langford, I think, is more of a a a slam dunk guarantee to make the team. And um, with them drafting him where they did, I mean, they're definitely looking to the future. So,
0: what about you, Dennis? What who do you think the the person Dynasty owners need to target is?
1: Oh, they they were both fourth round picks, but you know the tiebreaker for that is you know like Ron said. I mean, Langford is this new regime's guy, and, and in and, and NFL it means something. I mean, these coaches want to draft these players that they feel fits their scheme the best, and they they obviously thought that would be Langford. And as far as like their on the field play, you know, I look at it like this. Okay, would you rather have Niall Davis or Sean Green? And that's the difference where, you know, I see Langford as like a Nile Davis type player and I see uh, Kadim Carey as like a Sean Green. So to me, you know, you want that explosive player like a Langford, that home run hitter, or you can have that little, you know, that plodding, pedestrian running back who will get you two yards of carry, maybe three on a good good run. Trent so. Richardson?
2: In a cloud of yeah, dust. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Trent, Richards, yeah, Trent Richardson or Nile Davis that's what my life has come to
2: <laughs> and you would pick T rich the most cases
0: every there, time.
1: there's a lot of secret there's a lot of people secretly hoping Trent Richardson still hits trust me there's a lot of guys who took him at the one one and dynasty startups that's still hanging on for that glimmer
0: of hope yeah they're gonna be hoping for a long long time is there any more anybody else in Chicago you guys want to hit on any dynasty names owners you need to keep an eye on or you know, as we as we keep going uh, along the NFC North, is there anybody else I need to mention before we move up to Detroit? I I think we pretty much covered any relevant guy. Um,
2: All right. Can I make a bold prediction
0: though before we move on? Uh, you can, or you can save it for the good, the bad, and the upside, if you'd rather.
2: No, this guy doesn't deserve to be in that. Okay. Although, be, go um, bold, Ron. Before Week Eight, Jimmy Clausen will be the starter of the Chicago Bears.
0: That is uh, all. Okay, now, what, now, now <laughs> what does that what does that mean? Does that mean he he takes over the job, or is it because Cl- Cutler's hurt? He starts for a week, and then Cutler's back in.
2: Um, I think he's going to take over
0: for good at some wow. point. Wow! <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> How about them Reds? Jimmy Clausen. You're about five
1: seconds too late, man. I already said, yeah. how about them Reds? And no,
0: I know, but we totally really need... Totally ignored me. No, I know. That's what I usually do. I know need you need to get Ron... mute my mic. You <laughs> need to get Ron some more Kool-Aid because he's been drinking it. No, let's head up. To... That
1: could happen, but I wouldn't let's
0: ha... bank on it. You wouldn't? You wouldn't bank on it?
1: Let's head up to Detroit where we got them Lions.
0: How about them Lions? <laughs> no, but let's both talk both about it. A... Let's talk about a quarterback that's... You know, a lot like Jay Cutler and gives fantasy owners, um, you know, a lot of headaches and a guy that, you know, a lot of people always, you know, tend to rank really high before the season starts and by the end of the season, you know, never really becomes what everybody thinks he should be become and, you know, has turnover problems and, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know, let's talk Matthew Stafford and Ron, I'll let you go first. I mean, kind of just where are you at with Stafford and, are you on a Jay Cutler like level with him yet or, or, are you, uh, you're not quite there?
2: No, I'm not quite there. I mean, I, I still think he's got what he's got working in his favor. He's, he's a little bit younger. You know, he's still 27. You know, he has, he's definitely got all the weapons that he could ask for in this offense to succeed. It's just a matter of when are we going to re- see, you know, when is the, the real Slim Shady going to stand up here? Is, is he the real deal, real McCoy? Or are we going to see this? You know, him tease us every year, so you know I, I'm kind of on the other side where I'll just kind of shy away from him. You know, I, I don't know where his current ADP is right now, but, you know, last year, 22 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, doesn't inspire too much confidence. I know we're not supposed to base everything off of last year's numbers, but, you know, it's been over almost four years since we've seen more than 29 touchdowns from this guy. With all the weapons he has, I just think that's disappointing. And I actually traded him in the uh, DFW's career at Iron Challenge. I traded him for quite a few picks, draft rookie draft picks, because I had guys like Teddy Ridgewater and, and Peyton Manning. So, you know, I, I guess I'm selling if I can.
0: <laughs> yeah, for me, I'm I'm right there with you. I I don't I don't see it with Stafford. I mean, he's he's proven year after year after year that 2011 was his fluke season. You know, 2000, he, he, yeah, he might approach 5,000 yards, but it'll probably be more like 45, 4600. And I don't ever see more than 25, you know, approaching 30 touchdowns. And, you know, where you have to take him and where a lot of people value him because of his, the talent he has. And, you know, he's had Calvin Johnson. He's had other guys that catch the ball. So, you know, I just, I don't get it with Stafford. I never have. I mean, um, and, like I said, people look at two thousand eleven and think oh that's still in there, and I think that was the exception and not the rule um Dennis, what about you? Where are you at with uh with the staff infection
1: well, I just while you was talking there, I just thought of something that that's kind of eerily similar um if you think about it, Andrew Lux was in his third year last year uh Stafford's third year, which was two thousand eleven their numbers were eerily eerily similar with the 41 touchdowns and over 5000 yards so at one point everybody was looking at Stafford like oh my god here's the next best thing that didn't quite materialize i'm not saying luck's going to go the stafford route but you know i th- i think it was a, an overcompensation on the coaching staff and the offense and all of that stuff combined because you know under the old regime man it was just kind of like that gunslinger's mentality and and Stafford was, is a great gunslinger i think that's one of his best strengths is that you know he will throw the ball into triple coverage to Calvin Johnson and be successful he's not afraid to do that but unfortunately that got him into trouble and what happened last year is he went to the other extreme of that you know he 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 did improve on some things man his footwork looked better his throwing mechanics looked better he cut down his interceptions from 19 to 12 but he looked out of place in that conservative playbook, that dink and dunk. He didn't really t- downfield a lot. So I'm not going to hold this one year against him. Even though I don't think he's going to be like a top 10 quarterback, I do think he's a guy that is definitely worth owning and you know starting on matchups. And he's a guy that, that could start clicking because he was without Calvin Johnson for quite a few games last year. I mean, Calvin Johnson was a decoy for a couple games. So I definitely think that impacted his numbers. Um, so... You know, I'm not totally ready to give up on him just because he does have Calvin Johnson. And he, you know, as far as a fantasy player, like he is like an aggressive quarterback. So if they cut loose the reins on him, and they're already talking about they want to have him take more chances downfield and stuff. They brought in Golden Tate. Their running game should get back on track. So, you know, uh, overall the arrow is pointing up as, as far as, you know, Stafford making a jump to the next level. Will he do it? Probably not. But could he do it? Sure. Is he worth holding on to to see if he does put something together this year? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, but that sounds like a lot like Jay Cutler. It's a gunslinger mentality. It's a guy who's going to throw it in triple coverage. Uh, you know, Cutler did it with Marshall, and now he's going to be doing it with Jeffrey. And, and, you know, and,
1: you, and you said you earlier on the podcast, you said you loved Cutler. So I love Cutler as the but 45th, you hate
0: But you hate Stafford. I don't hate Stafford. I, I, if Jay Cutler and Matthew Stafford were going in the same area, I, I, I have the two very similarly ranked. I think they're both not top ten, and I think they're both closer to fifteen, sixteen. Like I'd rather have Tannehill than than uh, Matthew Stafford. I'd rather have Eli Manning than Matthew Stafford. I'd rather have Phil Rivers than Matthew Stafford. Um, but you know that that's me. I think he. I think you know, and this year it's cal- it's calmed down a little bit. But last year, people were taking him off the board as a top five quarterback, and you know the the that aggression is just that's just way too much. Um, so let's talk about his pass catchers, and let's talk about um, you know the guys that are going to be on the other end of those passes from Stafford, and you know Calvin Johnson, like you were saying, you know he between injuries and even the week couple weeks he did play where he was more of just a decoy who never got any targets. Um, you know, are we kind of expecting a bounce back season? Dennis, I'll let you start, you know, what what are we reasonably to expect from Calvin Johnson? And, um, you know, where, where, you know, in terms of where he's going off the board, do you, do you like that?
1: Oh, I love that. And I expect Calvin Johnson from Calvin Johnson. I mean, it, he was on pace the second half of the year for 1500 yards and 10 touchdowns, which is what Calvin Johnson type numbers. I, I'm not one to hold injuries against a player. I think, he's being treated this year like Arian Foster was last year, like Rob Gronkowski was last year. And guys who took shots on the two players were handsomely rewarded. It's not like he's some flash in the pan guy that had a good game and then he got hurt and had a down season. Like it's Calvin Johnson, dude. He's still the most physically intimidating, most physically dominating receiver in the league. So I'm going to treat him as such. And I'm, I'm contemplating putting him at, back in the number one spot, man. And, and for me and my projections, he's he's pretty close to being there.
0: Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. So let me let me ask you then, because you know, right now he's coming off the board as the sixth, seventh, eighth receiver, depending on where you're where you're drafting. But um, you know, if you could have him, or or, oh, well, I guess just tell us who your top five is, um, and and let we can kind of get an idea of where Calvin is for you.
1: It's not set in stone. I'll read you my top six because they're kind of interchangeable. Antonio Brown, and this is the order I got them in currently. Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, Odell, Jordy. I'm probably going to end up flip-flopping Jordy and Odell because I just believe it's hard for me to take Jordy outside the top five. So right now I got Calvin Johnson at wide receiver number three. I got him 100 receptions for 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's very fair, and it's a, I, you know, I think a lot of people would would have Julio above him, but I feel like a lot of people have Julio above him consistently, and and he never really produces that. So, Ron, let's go to you. You know, kind of what are your thoughts on on Calvin, and um, you know, how does he how do they stack up for how does he stack up for you among the other late receivers?
2: I mean, he's Calvin Johnson. He's Megatron. So, if, if we're not talking about him in the top, say. Four wide receivers. I think we're we're missing out. And this guy last year, I think, was kind of a down year for his his standards. You know, if you look at the numbers, only 71 receptions on 128 targets, but he eclipsed a thousand yards again. I mean, he's just the model of a, one of the most consistent wide receivers you can get out there. So I think the eight touchdowns, that's gonna that's like a low number for him. I see him going over ten this year. I really do. And I think the yards is definitely going to go up too. So. I think he'll finish somewhere around you know I think Dennis's projections are pretty pretty damn close i may I might have flip flopped Des and Calvin, but I also think he you know he's he's right there and he's gotta be in the top five so i that's where I see him and you know guys if guys are shying away from drafting him and he falls, then you know you you gotta go get him,
0: yeah i mean Right with you guys. I think, you know, even if you take a few yards off and then throw a couple extra touchdowns on there, you know, Dennis, that's actually pretty spot on. But can we talk for a second? Because, the like, the, the wide receiver crop we have to choose from, and I think to Dennis's point we were talking about earlier about grabbing running backs early in draft, and we'll be doing some podcasts kind of with more strategy and stuff, but... Like, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Dez Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, Jordy Nelson, A.J. Green, Alshon, Randall Cobb, Mike Evans. Like, if I get any of those 11 guys as my wide receiver one, I'm going to feel pretty dang good about how my team's starting. What about you, Dennis?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. To me, I mean, I know the zero running back strategy was pretty popular last year. But trust me, from a guy who who tried it, I had a team where I had Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, Julio Jones, Jimmy Graham, and Gronkowski, and I wasn't able to seal the deal. Why? Because my running backs were Booby Dixon and uh Jonas Gray. Like I totally <laughs> shanked on running back. Like the guys I did have got hurt and you know, things like that. And I wasn't able to seal the deal and I had some elite I mean I had the best receivers and tight ends in the league. I mean Jimmy Graham was my flex. Start three wide receivers, Demarius, Antonio Julio. Like dude, I I all but thought I had this league in the bag and and I just come up short at the end because my running backs because with receiver, you know, any given week if a guy's starting three wide receivers, two or at least one of those guys on the other team's going to go off and sometimes two. And when that happens and they got good running backs, then you know, you're pretty much cooked unless you know everybody on your team goes off. So for me, with with the depth at receiver this year, and 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 I took a look between running back one and running back twenty four, and the fantasy points. Don't quote me on the exact number, but it was maybe like a hundred and seventy point difference between RB one and RB twenty four. That's a pretty big difference. But if you look between wide receiver one and wide receiver twenty four, that that difference is more like 80 points so what's that tell me that tells me that receiver so much deeper in you know, you could take a stud running back in the first round and still get Calvin Johnson in the second round. Calvin Johnson was a top-five pick last year. He's still the same guy. He's still got the same talent. So, to me, it makes zero sense to go zero running back this year. And that's just my thoughts on it. And I'm going to tell you guys like this, and another reason I believe in Calvin Johnson, look what Golden Tate was able to do as the number one receiver on Detroit. The guy had 143 targets for 1,300 yards. His touchdown number sucked. He only had four but I mean, he's not that elite red zone producer like Calvin Johnson. So, how much more talented is Calvin Johnson than Golden Tate? Put those. I think their numbers are going to be flip flopped, and then add in the Megatron factor, and boom! That you add that Megatron factor, that's at least worth 200 yards in my in my math. <laughs> so yeah, and to
0: your to your point, like I, you know, like we've been talking the the fishbowl going off right now, and. You know I I'm what seven players into my draft and I'm immediately regretting. So with I had the 102 and I could have you know I had my pick basically Peterson went one so I could have taken Levy and Bell Jamal Charles Eddie Lacy any of those kind of guys. But instead you know I love Des Bryant I mean we were talking if you heard us talk about him on the NFC East podcast you you know how I feel and if you didn't go back and listen because me and Ron were And Dennis, too, we're all really excited about Des Bryant. But, you know, I took Des Bryant at the 102. I took Jordy Nelson on the comeback. Then took Jimmy Graham. And now my starting running backs are are Carlos Hyde and Tevin Coleman, which is, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world when you have, you know, some talent at receiver and tight end. But, you know, I really need Carlos Hyde uh, to to be, you know, the top 15-ish back if I want to compete in this league. Otherwise, I'm going to be hurting for certain. So... Um, and, and uh, Dennis did you go running back running back early in your in your fishbowl or what is your team starting to look like actually
1: I was picking from the eight hole and I took Arian Foster um, with my first pick I'm just a huge Arian Foster fan I, I made that mistake last year of dismissing him I won't make that mistake again as long as he's suited up in a Texans uniform he's you know and he's available for me at the right spot in my draft I'm going to take him um, the second round Des Bryant was sitting there dude I couldn't pass up on him in the second so I took Des in the second and this is where it, I kind of regretted a little bit but it's a two quarterback super flex league so I'm okay with it but I took Drew Brees in the third um, and then I followed that up with Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley so my team right now through five is Drew Brees, Arian Foster, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley and Des Bryant. I'm pretty happy with that start.
0: But yeah I see in the, and that's the difference it's like I think the difference between Arian Foster and Carlos I, Tevin Coleman, versus, you know, you, you were able to get Dez in the second, but, you know, even if you've got, say, Jordy Nelson there, you have an elite player at, all, at quarterback, running back, and receiver, and you're able to put in depth behind those players. So, you know, I think to, to what we're kind of saying is, if you can get one of those elite running backs early, you know that's that's the way to go, and then you can you'll be able to get you know with all these stud receivers, you'll be able to get one or two of them, you know, as the draft rolls along, and at least you have one you know stud to kind of anchor your your team. Ron, are you are you with Dennis and I on this kind of strategy or? Oh,
2: I'm always going for the running backs, um, but you know it just depends. I mean, where you're picking. Um, as far as that 1-2, I, I mean, I basically did the same thing today, and I took Des Bryant at 1-2, one, one, so, you know, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't pass him up. But, you know, I think Dennis has got a really, really valid point as far as running backs. And if you're waiting on running backs, you know, you, you're going to be hurting later. And yeah, and if you're, you're
0: pick, go ahead.
2: And unless you're finding those diamonds in the rough late, you know, maybe one of – uh uh, Dennis, Dennis's uh, man crushes D'Angelo Williams. Does something for 40 and, You know, maybe, maybe you'll make it through the first month of the season, but after that, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, and
0: no, and to, you know, and even if you're say you're picking towards the back end, and you can get Des Bryant at the one eight one nine something like that, and then come back around and get Foster or get Lynch. You know, you want to make sure you you get a, a pretty good running back um, on one of those first two picks, and you'll be able to kind of tell. Um, going through the draft, how, how your how your league's shaping up, and where you kind of need to jump on people and and whatnot. So so let's talk. Let's uh, you know let's keep the the receiver talk going because did we t- you know, we talked about Megatron and Dennis. You kind of mentioned you know Golden Tate was he kind of assumed that number one role. So you know what are reasonable expectations for Golden Tate this year? I know you know talent wise he's there, and this offense puts up enough passing yards um, you know for him to be. you know, for him to produce. So, kind of what are your thoughts on Golden Tate for this season?
1: I mean, I still like him as a wide receiver, too. Um, Detroit was one of five teams that had uh, multiple thousand-yard receivers. So, you know, I I think that accounts for something. I I always like to look at that stat going into next year and just see where, you know, teams. There was a couple on that list. Can you guys tell me the other four teams on that list that had – Without cheating and looking, I want you guys to, to Multip- guess this: which, which five teams had more than one thousand-yard receiver? It don't have to necessarily be two two uh, wide receivers; it could be a tight end, a receiver, or two receivers.
0: Packers. Okay. Um, Patriots. Uh-uh. I was gonna go there, but they don't have any thousand-yard receivers. Wrong. Uh well, no, yeah, but I'm saying that. Oh, uh, I got gotcha, you. I,
2: I, I gotcha. In
0: addition to Gronk, there was nobody. Uh, wow, that's tough. So it was Detroit. Was it Pittsburgh? Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> all right, just t- tell us who it is.
2: Oh come on,
1: dude. You guys couldn't even get Denver? Baltimore? Uh, Jeez.
0: No. Denver. No. Yeah, I can't believe we missed that. So Denver. Okay, I
1: already said Detroit. You already Denver. said Green Bay. I already said Denver. Yeah. The other two teams were in the NFC South. Uh
0: Atlanta. Uh-uh. No, New Orleans? Uh-uh. <laughs> really? It was it was Tampa, it was and,
1: Tampa T- and Carolina. Yes. Was it
0: Ol- Olsen and Benjamin?
1: Olsen and Benjamin each had 1008 yards. Like I knew they uh-huh. said they was going to split the the workload, but I didn't know they meant exactly. <laughs> and then the other oh one my was gosh. Up. Vincent Jackson and uh, Mike Evans.
2: We could have kept going all day. Probably wouldn't have guessed those two teams. <laughs>
0: no, no, it's
1: a very, it's a very surprising
0: stat. Yeah, the the Vincent the 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 Vincent Jackson, you know, Mike Evans makes a lot of sense, but you know, Greg Olson and, and Kelvin Benjamin's kind of surprising. That would have been a, a good t- discussion for our NFC South podcast, but um, yeah, so let's. So, yeah, we're, 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 you know, Golden Tate and, and Calvin Johnson could be those two guys, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I think Golden Tate's gonna be right around a thousand yards. I still think his touchdown is only gonna be a handful. I don't think he's gonna get over five, which kinda, which obviously hurts his upside, but, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's funny, like, we was talking about Eddie Royal earlier. I mean, we see the difference it made in a Golden Tate switching teams from Seattle to Detroit. So this is me pounding the drum once more for Eddie Royal. Uh, do yourself a favor, take a shot on him. What's worst that could happen? You have to drop him after Kevin White comes on. Big deal.
0: Yeah, no, I I, lo- I like uh, I like that idea, and I think he'll be a guy I look at in in a few leagues. Um, let's, let's talk, let's go shift to the running. Well, before we do that, is, is there any other receivers you guys find interesting in Detroit? Or is it kind of just Golden Tate, Calvin Johnson are going to eat up so much of the production that, you know, other guys aren't really worth gambling on at this point?
1: I think Eric Ebron is a waste of a pick. I accidentally auto picked him in an MFL 10 because uh, my text notification wasn't working and I am like losing sleep over it. (laughs) It's the worst (laughs) thing that could happen to me as much as I love Trent Richardson and Joseph Randall is as much as I can't stand Eric Ebron as a player. So I won't own him on any leagues. I don't, Think it's a matter of oh, tight ends take long to develop. I just don't think he's a he's a high effort player. I don't. I think he's got stone hands, and I think they'll be looking at the tight end position in the next year or two in the draft or free agency.
0: Wow, that's a bold call. Yeah, I'm I'm on the other end. I think uh, I'm gonna you know what you said about tight ends taking time to develop, and I, I you know Pettigrew was is a good blocking tight end, so I think that's why he saw a lot of time. I think. You know, this year or next year, Ebron will, will produce. And I took him in a dynasty startup, and I'm hoping it pays off. But if he turns out like you uh, like you believe, then I, I might be a little – I might be regretting that decision. So, Ron, I'll let you break the tie. What are your I, thoughts on Ebron? And, um, I, think you know, he's,
2: I think he's overrated. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, this first year as a rookie, almost 50 target, He had 49 targets <laughs> and only had 25 receptions. So it doesn't inspire well, a lot of confidence, but a, he's a rookie. So – I, I wouldn't draft him. I'd probably stay away um, just because there's so many other mouths to feed in that offense. And, you know, I'm not, we're going to, I'm sure we're going to touch on it a little bit, but there's so many other players on that team that I think are going to end up with more receiving yards and they're not even wide receivers on that team. So. <laughs> well, well think,
1: think about it, Kyle, you, you was talking about, you know, you don't project Stafford's touchdown numbers to be very high. Well, You know, where does that leave Ebron if he's not a high yardage player, which most tight ends are not, unless you're, you know, Graham or Gronk or someone or, you know, Greg Olson. And those guys are more by, you know, default, not having another option. You know, what what does that really leave, honestly, for Ebron in a touchdown?
0: If we if we say I, you know, I assume that Stafford throws in the high 20s. If we give, say we give Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson 17, Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that's underestimating their potential. But, you know, say say Golden Tate gets six and Calvin gets 11 or however you want to divvy those up. Yeah, I mean, that basically gives 10 touchdowns to the rest of the team in the passing game. And, you know, we're going to get to a couple names here in a little bit that are going to at least get a handful. So, you know, three, four touchdowns is – Probably his best, unless you know, uh, unless Stafford gets over thirty touchdowns. So to your guys' point, that's you know, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. The one thing I will say is, you know, to, to Ron's point about the catches per the targets, you know, Kel- Kelvin Benjamin was force fed last year and only caught fifty percent of his targets, yet everybody loves him this year. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know that you know you can go basically solely off of targets, but I, I, I'm curious to see. I think this year is going to tell a lot if his role improves, if he keeps getting, you know, if he gets more work, um, you know, it could be it could be an interesting guy where, you know, Golden Tate stays in that range and, you know, 3-4-5 and, and only catches the long touchdowns. And when they get close, they either, you know, go go to the running game or it's Calvin or Ebron. So I guess I'm a little more optimistic. But yeah, I mean, to your point about, you know, Stafford, I think that's a good one. And I'm kind of uh, I got got to kind of think that through a little bit more and figure out how um, you know what's what's a reasonable expectation. So well,
1: that, that's uh, why I like my projections or doing projections so much because it actually puts it in perspective. It gives me a, a why, like it's you know showing my work like a math problem and. You know, when it, when I do these projections, you know, I got to figure out what what's realistic. And and right now, I got Matthew Stafford with 27 touchdowns projected, and that puts him around QB 14 with 4,400 yards. So, you know, I I don't know. That that's where I got him.
0: That sounds almost spot on. Like if you know, uh, like I was saying, I, I think I think he's 14, 15, 16, something like that. Um, so that that makes a ton of sense, but then you have to, you know, you can't you can't say Stafford's going to be that, and then say his receivers, you know, two top five receivers and a top five tight end. like that doesn't that doesn't the math doesn't work. So I, I like that your projections kind of help, you know, paint a full picture. So let's talk about the running game and some of the guys that might eat into a couple of those touchdowns. And uh, Ron, I'll let you start because I, I I have a really strong in- inclination of where Dennis is going to go, but you know talk. <laughs> Talk to me about the running game, and, and you know, are you still buying on Joy Bell, or are you going to join Dennis and the uh, the Amir Abdullah is going to take over this role and run away with it? Camp,
2: I'm still buying Bell, but that's based off of whether or not this guy's actually going to be 100. percent So I'm going to be watching, you know, all the updates on his injury, the surgeries he's had in the off season, and if he's ready and in good shape week one, this guy is going to be the starter. It's just a matter of you know, it's just, just a in my opinion, I mean, it's just a matter of time though before you know the cream does rise to the top. So, you know, if he can stay healthy, I think this is his job to lose, Um and and it could happen, and it could happen quickly. So, at the end of the day, there's another guy lurking too though. I I really like is Theo Riddick because a lot of people were just forgetting and writing him off. But this guy, as far as receivers, and if you're in PPR league, I would be going after Riddick because I I think. He's going to be the guy that benefits the most from, from Bush leaving. And, and there was, you know, they, they pass a lot to the running backs in that, in that system. I think last year they had, um, Bush had 56 targets, Bell had 52, Riddick had 50. So there's three running backs that had over 50 targets last year in this off, same offense. So, I mean, if you look at that, 56 targets, Bush is gone now. Where are those 56 targets going to go? Well, I think a large majority of them are going to go to Riddick. And they're also going to split him out. If they split him out and he plays a little bit more of a wide receiver role, it's just an added bonus to, to having this guy, in. and you can get him really late. So, But as far as the bell Bell pick, he is getting old. He's 29. The injuries kind of concern me. So um, I'm not going to overpay for him, but I think Abdullah's ADP is, is what it is, and, and everybody assumes that he will be the starter at some point.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm still buying on Droik Bell. He's a guy that's done well by me. And, and to your point about the dividing up the targets, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think Droik Bell's gonna assume more of those catches or more of those looks. So I think I could see his numbers going up to 70-ish targets. Um, and then maybe so the rest of them kinda going, you know, mixing up. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll, me and Dennis will, you know, keep the Abdullah talk going. Cause I, you know, we, in the preseason, we both really, you know, liked what he can do, especially when he gets the ball, and you know he, he's kind of nimble in between the in between the, the um, tackles and in between linebackers and stuff. So, I like the idea of using him in the offense, but I think the the death of Joyke Bell is is a little overstated, and I think he's going to be a guy that you know goes you know two rounds later than he probably should, and, and helps a lot of owners. So, so Dennis, tell me why I'm wrong, and tell me why Amir Abdullah is going to be the guy uh, in Detroit.
1: I mean, deep down, I feel like you know you're wrong. Don't, don't we have this conversation every year since 2012? Oh man, Joik Bell, he's gonna be the guy, he's gonna get the carries, he's gonna be the man, you know, he's even himself like, I'm gonna rush for 1200, that's my floor. I mean, come on dude, like, I mean Trent Richardson, you guys want to bring him up, like he averages three something yards per carry and he's a bomb. Well Joyke Bell does it. Well, it's next year. You know, come on, dude, that like I'm sick of hearing about Joyke Bell. He he's not a bell cow. He's got a crack in his bell. <laughs> he's a Liberty Bell.
0: <laughs> he's a Taco Bell.
1: <laughs> he, he's a Taco Bell. Yokato Taco Bell. But nah man, like he 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 had did some exciting things in twenty twelve. He averaged five yards a carry. I mean, but that was a high you know octane offense at that time Detroit ranked 28th in the run game last year i mean that's not going to cut it dude like joique bell is not going to cut it what i am concerned about is joique bell is going to vault your touchdowns and joique bell was was a pedestrian running back until the last 4 weeks of the season where he had 5 of his th- eight touchdowns was over the last 5 weeks of the season and he finished strong and that's you know fresh on people's memory but i think a lot of that was schedule and he was getting a lot of red zone looks now that that's where my concern comes with Amir Abdullah as I still think Joik Bell's going to be the guy in the red zone, whereas Amir Abdullah's going to be the guy in the 20s. Now, anybody that's listened to this podcast knows I'm a fan of Amir Abdullah. I had him number two in my in my rookie rankings, and, you know, I haven't changed a bit. His landing spot was perfect. It was ideal. I love the ideal of Amir Abdullah running on turf. I mean, it, it's, it's exciting times, dude. He's turning heads at camp. Why, Joik Bell's in some... Training room somewhere rehab and you know Amir Abdullah's seizing that job. He's planting the seed in them coaches mind and say, hey, you drafted me for a reason. He was basically, I mean, pretty much a first round pick where the Lions drafted him and wasn't too far outside the first round. So, I mean, I I think uh, uh, Joy Bell's ADP is ridiculous. I mean, I don't think you're going to get a return on your investment. Where's he going? What, the sixth round is the last time I looked. He's being drafted ahead of Amir Abdullah, which is kind of odd. Usually we see the rookie overtake the veteran, but, you know, it's kind of like last year with Cincinnati. I hate to use that as an example, but it's where it's just to show people, like, just because you think something is going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just because that's what we see or that's what we think is supposed to happen. You know, who would have thought Jeremy Hill would have took over Gio Bernard? I mean, maybe we had some Hill truthers, but for the most part, most people thought it was Giovanni Bernard's backfield and Hill was going to come in and be like a goal line back. But no, once Hill got on the field, he started ripping off more long runs than than Gio Bernard. He looked more explosive than Gio Bernard. He seized that role, and to me, it's going to be the same thing. So you guys can waste your pick on Joy Bell, but don't say, don't say, oh, Dennis didn't tell you so.
0: Hey Dennis, I wanna I wanna make a I wanna make a wager. You know we've been kind of making these little wagers on the on the podcast, and I think it's gonna be fun to to keep doing over the season. And um, you know you, you clearly don't like Joyce Joyke Bell, and, and you have like the biggest man crush on Joseph Randall. They're going as running back twenty four and twenty five. I, I will take Joik Bell for this season. I, I say he will have a better year than Joseph Randall. Um, more fantasy points.
1: Let me explain my my. Thoughts on Joseph Randall. I'm not in love with Joseph Randall as a player. I'm not going to pretend like oh, I had Joseph Randall is my number one running back. No, I thought Joseph Randall was a good player. The thing I love about Joseph Randall is he's one of the most patient running backs that I have seen in college. Not as patient as Le'Veon Bell. I mean Le'Veon Bell dude is like elite patience. And the reason I love patience in a in a with a great offensive line like that is because he's going to let that line do most of his work. I mean, it's like getting leverage on that hammer. The hammer's doing all the work. And, you know, we said that all pre-draft – process whoever Dallas drafts I don't care if it's David Cobb he's going to be a third round pick well they didn't draft nobody they got Joseph Randall isn't Joseph Randall an equal talent to David Cobb Joseph Randall would have probably been in my top 10 running backs or at least you know top 12 this year he's not a horrible running back dude He he's a decent running back with an amazing offensive line to me it's a no-brainer it's not my love for like my undying love for Joseph Randall. It's the situation, it's the opportunity, and I think he's competent enough to get it done. We want to talk about oh the Peyton Manning effect. You know everybody's tripping over themselves. Monty Ball is not a good talent, but let's get him because he's with Peyton Manning. Oh yeah, yeah. Know, but to your
0: portion round makes, pick. That makes a lot of sense then, because if you think you know, like I think I think Joseph Randall's the next Monty Ball. I think he's. But where a great... are you
1: taking him though?
0: Well, I mean, I, that's I'm I'm not drafting him. but my to my my thing is I'm I'm saying Joyc Bell is going to have a better season than Joseph Randall. You clearly yes. think Bell is going to be replaced. You're you like Joseph, correct, Kyle? Okay, well, that's <laughs> all I'm saying. I, I just want to make that wager because I think it's going to be fun to keep track of these as the season goes along. So we're sitting, you know, towards the end of the year as the playoffs are approaching, and I can be like, "Hey Dennis, you want to look at the fantasy points for running backs and, and tell me who's higher?" And, uh, and you'll be like. Joint Bell's higher. You know what We're you're right. gonna say.
1: You know what you're really gonna say. You no, wanna you you want a personal check or you want what's your PayPal?
0: <laughs> 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 so this is the end of part one. Uh, check out FakePigScene slash podcast for the part two.